2: Coming up on Taking Stock, making decisions about your money. We'll talk about motivation, a healthy financial relationship, behavioral economics, coaching, as well as therapy techniques and how to do real good research.
3: Paul going to be joining us from Boston-based, actually mass based Commonwealth Financial Network, as we continue our special live broadcast today here at Smith & Willisky Restaurant, right down on the Boston Harbor. Uh, let's get back to the newsroom in World Headquarters. Charlie Pellett's got a blue business flash.
1: And uh, thank you very much, Kathleen. Thank you, Pim. The Dow just turning negative down a point right now. S&P 500 index, a little change, giving up earlier gains. The S&P 500 index is higher. It is on track to snap a two-day losing streak as rebounding crude prices spurs a rally in energy producers while corporate earnings help boost financial companies west texas intermediate crude up 3.2 percent advancing a dollar 27 40. 78 right now on wti brent crude up 2.9 percent to 42.99 a barrel the tenure up 4 seconds the yield there 1.54 percent michael purvis is chief global strategist at whedon and company he was interviewed the this morning on Bloomberg Surveillance. The real
4: focal point here is is that the the role of central banking, and the role of the ten-year Treasury yield in the equity equation has become more and more dominant. And if there's a reversal in that, right? If that if that if that uh, cork explodes the other way, and we have a massive sell-off in sovereign paper, that is going to um, be. You know, very disruptive to the equity framework that is supporting a lot of these things.
1: American International Group is on track for its biggest jump in four years after its profit beat estimates. Oil surging more than 3%. Today we've got AIG up 7.2%. Up 387 to 5802 right now on AIG. Healthcare shares falling for a second day. Biogen down more than 4% amid doubts it could be a takeover target. S&P 500 index up a point to 2157, a gain there of 0.1%. Gold down 840 the ounce to 1359, a drop of 0.6%. And now let's take a look at the other stories making news.
4: Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Ramey Innocencio. There's a report that senior Republican officials are exploring options if Donald Trump quits the presidential race. ABC News says those officials believe that Trump is so unpredictable he might withdraw. A new candidate would have to be selected by 168 members of the Republican National Committee. White House Press Secretary Josh Earnest was asked today about Trump's suggestion that November's presidential election could be rigged. I would just note that it is often uh, a claim made by people who don't end up elections. President Obama is shortening the sentences for 214 federal prisoners, including 67 serving life sentences. It's the most commutations in a single day in more than a century. Almost all the prisoners were serving time for nonviolent drug offenses. Most will be released December 1st. Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, says the Zika virus is unlikely to become a national epidemic here in the U.S.
2: It's unlikely that we are going to have a broad, widely disseminated outbreak of Zika in the continental United States, similar to what's happened in Brazil and what is happening in Puerto Rico.
4: At least 15 cases of Zika infections have been confirmed in an area of Miami. They're believed to have been transmitted locally. And New Jersey has received a half million dollars from the CDC to help treat any Zika infections in pregnant women. The latest statewide count shows 76 infected with Zika after returning from travel overseas. Half of them are in Bergen and Passaic counties. Officials say there are no cases of the infection being transmitted by mosquitoes and that the species that carry the virus has not been found in the state. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than... 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Ramy Innocencio. This is Bloomberg. Charlie.
1: And we thank you. And again, we've got stocks higher. Tesla reporting after the closing bell, up now by eight tenths of one percent. S&P 500 index up a point, a gain there of one tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Palaton That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio.
3: We're broadcasting live today from Smith and Melensky's near the Boston Harbor and Boston Seaport District, so we can talk to people like our next guest. So how do you feel about the market right now? How do you feel about your investments? Do robo advisors make you feel better or worse? Well here to talk about what makes us think that way and uh, ways we can deal with our own thinking. Cole Burke, he is Senior Vice President, Technology, Strategy, and Financial Behavior Specialist at the Commonwealth Financial Network. He's here in the Boston area. Uh, you may recall hearing him on the show when we've gone to the Commonwealth Financial Annual Meeting. Always a treat for us on Taking Stock. Cole, welcome back to the show.
5: Thanks so much for having me.
3: So uh, your degree in, uh, you're actually, it's a, a master's of applied positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, a lot of people don't feel that positive right now. And I honestly think robo-advisors is one of the reasons because maybe millennials feel better because they like to just use, do things on their phones. Mm. But I think a lot of people miss the human touch.
5: Absolutely, and I actually think millennials miss the human touch too. One of the things that I think is missed in working with millennials is the fact that they do want wise advice. Now they may want it through an instant message or a text or, you know, a video chat or something else where it's, they're not having to actually go to your office, but they do want someone that they
2: can rely on. Cole, how do you, um, how do you identify fear-based attitudes and behaviors? Well,
5: I think that there are ways that you can identify it, certainly in person, when you see different facial expressions and when you see different body postures. And there are incredible techniques that are just so easy to use. Like Whether it's a a doctor or a financial advisor or any professional, when they see this type of behavior, one thing that they should know is that there are actually two nervous systems in the body. One system is that fight and flight nervous system. And when I'm in that state, that's called the sympathetic, when I'm in the sympathetic nervous system, I actually can't think rationally. It's only in the parasympathetic, what psychologists nickname the rest and digest system, that I can think rationally and make wise decisions. And so when an advisor or a doctor or anyone else who's trying to counsel someone is working with someone that they see is stressed or anxious or fearful or angry, the first step is really moving them from that sympathetic to the parasympathetic.
3: Well, you better have a degree in positive psychology to do that, or you better have watched Lie to Me, that series that ran for a couple of years, which must have been one of your favorites.
5: Absolutely, and that's based on actual research that was done worldwide to recognize different emotions, and actually they have these things called micro-expressions, where when you practice this, you can actually see these things that the person themselves might not even realize they're
2: experiencing. Uh, Absolutely, it's a great show. All right, now let's tie that into how people address their investments, because if you're a robo-advisor, if you're doing something where it's just a human to a piece of technology, you can answer questions rather dispassionately and think that you're giving the correct answer. But when the stock market goes the way you didn't expect, that rationality can go out the window.
5: That's such a great point. So psychologists also talk about this notion of hot states and cold states, and hot states are when you're emotional, and cold states are when you're rational. And a lot of times when you're filling out paperwork or going through an online wizard, you're in one of those cold states. And so you're rationally thinking about how much risk I can comfortably take. But then, of course, the market starts going down and you see your savings dwindling and retirement's out the window. You might have to defer for a few years and you hate your job. All of a sudden, that hot state has kicked on. right? And so it, it pushes you to make Act, to take action, and a lot of times that action isn't in your best interest, and that's where, whether it's a wise friend or a wise financial advisor, that's where they really come in handy and earn their, their keep.
3: How do I know if, I'm, if I've got the right financial advisor? May, I might if I feel good talking to you. Is that a good sign? Or does it show that I'm kind of gullible and if someone's, you know, nice to me and says what I want to hear, you know, that I'm not going to get the best advice. Is there a way to kind of deal with your feelings, which drive a lot of the thought, which we think is objective, but it's very subjective when it comes to making an important decision like that?
5: That's a great question. There's actually some interesting research out there about doctors and that the doctors that they're, that patients like the best actually give some of the worst advice. And so I think you're spot on that it's not just about feeling good about your financial advisor. It's also that they help you plan for the future. I think there are really three things that a financial advisor can spend their time on, trying to predict the future, what's going to happen in the markets, what tax laws are going to change, etc. And personally, I think that's impossible. So if you have an advisor that's telling you they're doing that, they're likely not actually able to do that. They can plan for the future, right? Techniques that already exist, whether it's putting money into a Roth for the right reasons or whatever else it might be. And then they can wisely react with you to the current events. And I think those last two are the things that advisors should focus on. And so if you have an advisor that's doing those last two well, then you're in the right
2: place. I want to just get your thoughts on the combination of having a live human being assist you or guide you with your financial future, but also employing some of these new robo-advising technologies? Give me about 10 seconds.
5: All right. Great point. I think it's robo versus RoboCop, and everybody wants RoboCop. You want somebody that you can look at in the eyes, but who's using all of the technology that the world's got available. And so similarly, if your advisor isn't using technology, they're not able to serve you well.
2: Thanks very much, uh Good advice. Good, interesting. All right. Cole Burke, he is the senior vice president, technology strategy, and a financial behavior specialist for Commonwealth Financial Network. They are based in Waltham, Massachusetts. you're listening to Taking Stock, I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes. We are broadcasting from Atlantic Wharf in Boston, home to Smith & Walensky's. This is Bluebird.
3: Donald Trump is against it. President Obama is for it. Hillary Clinton seems to be somewhere in the middle. Find out if the TPP trade deal is good politics and good economics. That's next.